The Denver Broncos were tested by the Los Angeles Rams on day one of joint practices on a scorching day in Dove Valley. Plus, one player continues to emerge late here in the preseason push. We'll talk about that and much more today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It was a scorching day in Dove Valley as the Denver Broncos hosted the Los Angeles Rams for day one of joint training camp practices. Thank you so much, Broncos country, for tuning in to Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can get this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So do us a favor, hit that subscribe button or that follow button so you never miss out on any day's worth of Broncos news, content, coverage, analysis, and more. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host and good friend, Sarah Bettinger. He's the site expert over there, predominantly orange.com. Sarah, my friend, day one of joint training camp practices in the books for the Broncos in Dove Valley is the L.A. Rams, Sean McVay and company, and former Broncos quarterback, Brett Rippon. We're in town. I tell you what, it was a hot day in terms of temperature, but more so it was a very competitive period, really from start to finish. And for the most part, I think it was a clean practice overall for the Broncos, but there's a lot we're going to have to break down on today's episode of the show, my friend. There is, Cody. It sounds like maybe a bit of tough sledding there for the offense at practice today, which would be the first time in a while. And it sounds like from what you told me, a lot of reps for these guys as well. So I think that's good for both of these teams, especially Broncos play an early season game in Miami. Going to have to play in some really, really tough, uh, hot environment and and get used to that. Playing a lot of snaps in high heat and, and you know, obviously a lot more humidity down there in Miami than there is in Denver. But still, at any rate, going to have to play in the heat. And I think it's good to get these reps for these guys because as we've kind of speculated, it kind of seems like things are trending towards the starters probably not playing on Saturday and maybe even just a select few guys playing. But most for the most part, I think you and I agree. Starters not playing, so get more reps in practice. Well, and I, and I can tell you this just based on my speculative count here. It seemed like they got more overall reps at practice in totality than they have all of, you know, throughout training camp in a normal practice. But also, this is the most snaps that they get. They, they probably got more snaps than they would in a normal game. So that's good. Uh, it was hot. It was up-tempo. I mean, because that was the thing. You wanted to get as many high-volume reps as you can in these periods because on one side of the field, you got the Broncos offense taking on the Rams defense. On the other side of the field – you had the Broncos defense taking on the Rams offense. And look, I'll say that the offense had its moments today. I wouldn't say that the Rams necessarily came out and just punched in the mouth. I felt like both sides between the Broncos offense, Rams defense, they traded. They traded on the day. I feel like it'd be pretty even in a sense from that. There were some big plays the Broncos had downfield. There were times where the Rams defense made some really good plays. And one of the areas of concern, though, that we noted in day one of joint practices was for Sean Payton, he talked about it after practice. Too many penalties, and they had a lot. They had several false starts. I think they had three during their team period there, and just uh, stuff like that. You got to clean up because then it sets you backward, right? You make a good play, and look, there were times where Denver was hitting some chunk plays in this period here. But 
Got to clean up some of those things. Peyton said he's looking forward to going through and watching the tape with his coaching staff and obviously when they have their team meeting. And then Thursday's practice, the second and final day of joint practices, where still going to be highly competitive, but maybe you get a little bit of a better idea on some guys going forward. Aside from all that, I just think that it was a competitive practice altogether. And, and look, I want to make note here of something. Like watching Matthew Stafford, watching Cooper Cup, watching Cam Akers, those three guys are really good foundational players for that offense. And what the Rams do, and, and this is one thing I noticed, Cooper Cup won't line up on the outside. He'll line up inside the slot as the number two guy sometimes. Sometimes he'll line up on the outside. Sometimes he'll be the motion guy. Sometimes they'll line him up in a trips formation where he's the number three receiver. And it's just, it, how do you guard that? I mean, he's got ridiculous route running ability, ridiculous size, speed. He was talented. And, and I think that the both sides, Denver's offense, Denver's defense, they traded barbs with the Rams. Really competitive period, but maybe we're going to see a little bit more here from the Broncos coming up in day number two. I think a lot of people have written off this Rams team, Cody, after they struggled a lot with injuries last season. And really, I mean, this is a talented team that just won the Super Bowl two seasons ago. So I know that they don't have the exact same roster we've talked about before, like Jalen Ramsey was traded this offseason. Obviously, they don't have Von Miller anymore. But look, the guys that really were catalysts for that Super Bowl run are all still there, including Aaron Donald, who's not practicing this week. So the offensively, the Rams have the pieces to where, you know, a guy like Cooper Cup, he makes everyone better. Matthew Stafford, we saw he can play at an MVP caliber level when he's fully healthy. And it seems like he is that this season. So I think the Rams do have a lot to look forward to. Nobody should have expected the Broncos were going up against, you know, Colorado Mesa or something like that in joint practices. Like this is a really good team and a team that just won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So, I mean, it's a great test. And these joint practices, getting a lot of reps against these types of guys, it's going to only help the I mean, you think about who they all play this year on the schedule, Cody. How many teams are going to have a better QB wide receiver duo than this? So getting joint practices, getting all these reps against these guys, I don't know that the Broncos are going to face a, a better QB wide receiver duo all year. I mean, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, are they're one of the best. So it, it's a great test for not only covering Cup, but then how do the Rams flow their offense beyond that? Like with Cup, like you said, he could be the one, the two or the three. How do you defend against an offense where, okay, now you got to worry about these secondary options making plays as well? So I like the matchup for the Broncos. They got, you know, guys like Ben Scourneck and, and and even former Bronco Royce Freeman is in the mix as well there. So, I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a Broncos reunion. But here's what I noticed as well. And, and this is what makes them tough because for the Broncos defense, this is where they were tested. There were times where Randy Gregory was working against the right tackle and I bulldozed him on a couple of times. But here's what the Rams do. And I think this is a credit to how Sean McVay is as a coach and why he's considered one of the greatest coaches in the NFL right now in the modern era. He'll attack every level of the field with his receivers and tight ends, but he's always got that running back that's kind of subletting out there toward the flat as a dump-off option because Matthew Stafford sneakily uh, elusive in a sense. Remember like Big Ben back in the day when he was like, oh, God, he's just so big. How come you can't bring him down? How come he's maneuvering around? Matthew Stafford is very has like that escape artist trait to him and was able to make a couple throws off platform and I mean, you're going to live with that. And it's just all about rallying there. Now, I think everybody wants to know, were there any skirmishes? There was like one little skirmish really during that first, I think, seven on seven period. Damari Mathis and, and a wide receiver, I can't remember which number it was, it got tangled up and 
got put to the ground and then it was quick. Uh, you know, he, Josie Jewell comes in, supports his guy. It wasn't nothing big. So I'm sure you're going to see some stuff out there. People are like, oh, fight, fight, fight. Wasn't anything big. For the most part, it was a really clean practice between both teams. Highly competitive. You love to see that. But I do think that Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Scourneck, Higby, Cam Akers, all these guys are making the Broncos defense a little bit better because they are talent. They're very talented. And, you know, with all the questions I think we've had, uh, you know, about the Broncos this season is how do they respond to certain things? You know, when you give up a big play, how do you respond? I thought we did a really good job of seeing that in uh, Wednesday's practice at the Centura Health Training Center. But day two of camp will continue here, and we'll see where the Broncos offense and defense are here once again against the LA Rams ahead of their final preseason game ahead of roster cuts here on Saturday. But one player on the offensive side of the ball continues to stack good performances, has had a good week and a half, carried over into the game, and now has a chance to really make a name for himself and compete for a roster spot. Where does Albert Okuebunam stand here with the Broncos and what type of day did he have in joint practices? You're going to get that on today's episode, Locked on Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at Game Time. And buying tickets to your favorite events, they shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events that are near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and you can start getting hyped up for the fun that you'll have. They have flash deals on last-minute tickets. They're easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event that they have going on in your area. You get images of seat views so you know exactly what your perspective is going to be like at a concert, at a basketball game, at a football game. You get to see exactly where you will be in the stadium with game time. They also have the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and job loss protection as well. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed we continue to push the alberto kuevanam agenda here on locked on broncos now all seriousness cody great to hear that alberto is stacking up days and i personally have got some hot takes regarding the situation but before we get to those flaming hot takes before we burn your ears here i want to give a huge shout out to every single one of you that makes locked on broncos your first listen of the day every single day mile high salute and shout out to all of you everydayers out there, you know you can get us free and available anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as you can watch us on YouTube. And Cody, I love getting to be on YouTube. We see a lot of awesome Broncos fans in the comments section sharing their thoughts. I love reading through the comments, and I try to give a thumbs up to all of them. I know you respond to tons of comments, but just great insight from the listeners of the show. So shout out to every single one of you for your great thoughts here as the Broncos go through training camp joint practices, the preseason, the roster is being assembled. Love the great insights we get from every one of you in Broncos country, as well as those of you who interact with us on Twitter and share. If you share the show, man, that's huge for us and we love it. So greatly appreciate every single one of you. And I appreciate that Albert Okuebunam is having yeah. a good uh, couple weeks at training camp as well, Cody. I want to push this agenda forward. I know I said it jokingly before, but look, 
Alberto had a brutal 2022 season in terms of the way the coaching staff approached his development. The Broncos basically went on social media last year and anointed him as tight end one. After Noah Fant was sent to Seattle in the trade, they went on and, and they, they they anointed, they crowned Alberto Kuebenam, who had a pretty decent 2021 season, kind of a little breakout year after suffering the injury his rookie season. With all that in mind, all of that context, he's listed as fifth on the depth chart, or the initial unofficial official depth chart, right, from the team. He's listed behind undrafted rookie Nate Adkins. What did you see from him out there today, Cody, that leads you to believe maybe the the tides are shifting there for young Albert Okuebanam? He had a really good day, and I would say he's had a good two weeks and so far, and obviously there's going to be Thursday's practice. You want to c- continue to build and stack onto that, but – Albert O, in my opinion, Sarah, we, we talk about a guy who's needed to show some improvement. Albert O has been that guy, and he's been so consistent all throughout training camp in the receiving game. And I felt like even in this past game against the 49ers, felt like the, Ben DiNucci and even on one play, the officials blew it, some play dead there. It kind of screwed Albert O out of the opportunity to make some big plays in the passing game. But we saw that here in the red zone period Today, 11-on-11 red zone period, one of the first plays, Jarrett Stidham found him for a 25-yard gain for a touchdown there. And Albert needs things like this, right? But not only is he getting it done in the receiving game, he's also getting it done in the run-blocking game. And this is the one thing I've seen from him that I I think so many people are like, all right, well, Albert can't block. I think that's a lie. I think Albert is very capable of blocking. We've seen him do it. And he's also had had a couple pancake blocks in practice last week. What did he do, Sarah? He translated that into the game, had a few pancake blocks as well against the 49ers. But just as a receiving threat, I mean, he's fast. Like, he's still fast as can be. He looks faster than he did when he was a rookie here in the NFL, and he was making plays across the middle of the field against the New England Patriots here for the Broncos when he made his debut in the NFL. So for me, I I see a lot of good stuff here from Albert Okuwebunam. And the thing is, he also hauled in another touchdown from Jarrett Stidham in the team period. And then in the move of the ball period, he had like a 30-plus yard catch and run where he was able to make some moves, get upfield. I don't think anybody touched him in that kind of situation there. So he's stacking days. He's had this noted improvement, but he's also shown a willingness to get his hands dirty, to block. And I think that bodes well for him. And you mentioned guys like Nate Atkins. Sarah, I feel like if the Broncos in this situation were to let Albert Okuebunam go, I don't think he clears waivers. I think some team out there would pick him up and he would go on to have some success from them in the passing game because he is a weapon here. I'm very curious to see maybe how the conversations happen. I mean, we talk about what Sean Payton said about, well, we don't necessarily keep six wide receivers or seven wide receivers. We have to keep quality guys. We have to keep guys that can contribute. Well, you look at Albert O, he's playing some special teams as well for Denver. But only that, he's also a good receiving threat here for the offense. So for me, I look at that and I look at maybe where we had some concerns about the wide receiver depth. I'm like, all right, well, if Peyton doesn't believe in the fifth or, or the sixth or the seventh wide receiver, that guy can be Albert O in the tight end position. And maybe you could sneak a guy like Nate Adkins onto the practice squad, which I think you have a little bit more of a better chance of doing just that. But with that being said about the wide receiver position, here's my hot take. And I tweeted this out or X'd it out or whatever you want to call it these days. I said that, look, I'd rather have Albert O than most of the wide receivers on this Broncos roster. And I I, I kind of made that statement without the depth chart just handy in front of me, but really just thinking through who are going to be the Broncos top receivers this year. Like we obviously know Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, 
you know, Marvin Mims, he's making the roster. We assume Brandon Johnson at this point. But even if Brandon Johnson is in your top four, does that not speak to my point right here? Because no disrespect to Brandon Johnson at all. We don't know anything about the guy. He, he was barely on the team last year, and he's been hurt again in training camp this year. I'm skeptical at best of what he's going to bring to the table. I'd love to have a playmaker like Albert O, who's now stacking days, who's showing out as a blocker, who could split out as a big slot and be an effective blocker in that regard. Or we know Sean Payton and these guys, they can utilize multiple tight ends. We saw, heck, we saw Jalen Virgil getting used as a lead blocker on certain plays. Why can't that be Albert O at some point and get him involved in the passing game as well? Like you said, Cody, it reminds me of a very similar Kind of, you know, situation to remember uh, Virgil Green back in the day huh? when he was drafted out of Nevada. He came out of Nevada with the, I mean, he was probably close to a 10 out of 10 on the RAS scale, right? And everybody's saying, well, you know, Virgil Green, he, he could be a great receiver or H-back in the NFL, but he's just not going to be a good blocker ever. What did he become? He never really became a great receiver in the NFL, but he was one of the Broncos' best blockers at the position for a long period of time. And we're still waiting for the official breakout from Virgil Green, but I would say he was an effective blocker for a number of years for that team. And for Albert O, maybe the tides have shifted a little bit. Maybe he kind of realized like, okay, I need to get more physical in the running game in order to carve out an official role for this team. Like everybody knows I'm fast. Everybody knows I can be an asset in the passing game, but I can't make an NFL roster if I can't block. So maybe last year was a blessing in disguise for him. If it results, obviously, in, in him making this team or, like you said, another, I think we could safely say, Cody, he won't make it through waivers, although I don't know that the New York Jets will be the team to scoop him up. Yeah, you know, Hackett doesn't want – Hackett doesn't recognize talented tight ends, and I still feel like Albert could have helped so many times last year in various situations and, and unfortunately didn't get the, the shake that he deserved there. But I, I will say this. I, I've grown just thoroughly impressed with how – He's approached this offseason. Great attitude, great mindset every day out there in practice. High energy, high effort. Uh, like I said, it's hard not to root for a guy like Albert O in Broncos country. We're eager for your thoughts on Albert Okuwebunam. He had a very impressive day alongside other tight end, Adam Troutman. Uh, Nate Adkins getting involved a little bit. We'll tell you about that in today's episode of the show. A little bit of a quiet day for Greg Dulcich. Not sure if it's by design or if, hey, just based on the Broncos personnel, this guy came open and this guy didn't. We'll dive deeper into that, and we'll continue our other day one of Broncos-Rams joint training camp practices. We'll dive into that on today's episode of the show. Real quick, you make Lockdown Broncos your first listen every day. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're available on YouTube. For your second listen, go check out the Lockdown NFL podcast, and also check out the ultimate preview that we have coming on here ahead of the NFL regular season. Everybody in the AFC West, we all sat down and we broke bread. We talked about the season, who we expect to finish first in the division, who can make the playoffs that didn't make it last year? Of wide variety of conversations, you can expect that on the Ultimate Preview Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What were some other Broncos news and notes from day one of Broncos camp with the Los Angeles Rams? A little bit of star power. There are some family ties when you consider both ownership groups. Broncos country, thank you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day. Every single day you can get this podcast for free wherever you get your podcast, or you can get us free every single day on your TV, your smartphone, your computer, on YouTube. We appreciate you so much for being part of our show here daily. All right, so let's get into some other news and notes here from uh, Wednesday's practice at the Centura Health Training Center. 
We just highlighted Albert Okwebunam. There's another guy that, going back to when the Broncos signed their undrafted rookie free agent class, who are the players that we talked about? We talked about, okay, keep an eye on Jaleel McLaughlin. We also talked about another guy at the offensive tackle position in Alex Pelcheski, who is seemingly just making more plays impressive and receives some praise here from Sean Payton. He got some reps with the first-team offense. Mike McGlinchey was back in at right tackle, but there were times I think they get, did series on, series off, just because he's coming back from that knee sprain. But Pauczewski getting a lot of consideration with the ones and twos here, Sarah. That's a good sign. It is, Cody, and it feels like his success has kind of uh, – it allowed for sure during the press conference, it allowed Sean Payton to kind of brag on this rookie free agent offensive line group in general, which would include guys like Henry Bird on the interior, would include Demontre Jacobs, another offensive tackle out there. And these guys have shown some nice things, and they've gotten some – Nice publicity over the course of the offseason, I would say, but none more so than Alex Palcheski, who I feel like maybe there's a chance that Sean Payton views him as a future potential starter. Don't want to put the cart before the horse or anything here, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos, because this is a, this is a problem. The, the Broncos haven't drafted a tackle, a true tackle, since Garrett Bowles in 2017, right? So they haven't had anybody to develop at a crucial position the best developmental tackle they had in recent years was Calvin Anderson. He's no longer there. So they need yeah. somebody to fill that void. I think Alex Pelcheski can be that guy, Cody, to be the the best developmental tackle the Broncos have had. And, and I like him better than any of the other. I know they only made two other picks on day three of the 2023 draft. I like him better than JL Skinner. I like him better than Alex Forsyth. I think he projects better long term. And I, that may be another hot take. I said I was bringing the hot takes today. So <laughs> I think I think he looks better than those guys. And I think he's going to ease the pain, hopefully, of not having drafted tackles because he looks like he could be a future starter. Did you see on the uh, 49ers broadcast of the preseason game when Ryan Harris was talking, they showed like a list of all the offensive tackles at right tackle that they have brought in to try to solidify the option. Sarah, they've brought in more offensive tackles in the quarterback carousel. Can we get an offensive tackle carousel graphic and hope that Mike McGlinchey is the start and the end of it here for the Broncos? I will say it was good to see him back out there at practice. And gosh, there was this one place there where the Broncos had a run play on the inside Mike McGlinchey literally grabbed, I don't know if it was a DN or an outside linebacker, grabbed him inside the frame and drove him into the ground, like just manhandled him and was, you know, laid on top of him. Like a guy who's six foot nine that can do that. It's unbelievable. Is he six nine or six seven? He's well, he's tall, regardless. Yeah, he's big. Six eight, whatever it may be. But just seeing him physically manhandle and bury dudes, I love that. I wrote that down in my little handy dandy notebook here that we have at all the joint training camp practices here. But uh, some other news and notes as well. I, I think that Riley Dixon, we're going to continue to highlight him, is continue to boom and just be impressive in practice. Now, they, they, they had some really good looks here in special teams on, on Wednesday where the punt team was out there. They're going against the Rams' punt return team and vice versa. The Broncos had their punt return team out there at one time, and the Rams had their punt team out there. I will say in terms of Denver's return game, there were several times where that that rush almost blocked the punt. I'm probably counting maybe three or four times they came this close to blocking a punt there against the Rams. Riley Dixon, the Broncos punting team, didn't have that problem, but he was booming it. He had a couple of 50, 55 yarders, and he also had, I think, a 60. And he, I think his longest was 64 on the day to my count. That's an advantage that you and I have been talking about so much for the last couple of years. Man, all these opposing team punters, they come to 
and power field a mile high, and they just outpunt the Broncos punter. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think Riley Dixon's in a really good spot if he can continue to stack where he's at. And Kendall Hinton, look, you and I were talking about, hey, which wide receiver is going to step up? It was not a really sharp day for the Broncos, for Jerry, Judy, and them. Uh, they had a couple of drop passes, some penalties, some false starts there. So Kendall Hinton emerged and toward the the move the ball period before we had to go to the podium, he caught in like a 27-yard pass from Russell Wilson. It was like on third down. I think it was like third and seven. Russ found him downfield and you know, away from all the defenders there. So, hey, that's good stock rising here for Kendall Hinton here in joint training camp practices. You want to do it in Thursday's practice. We talked about Nate Adkins a little bit earlier. He had a catch of around 20-plus yards as pressure was coming up the middle toward Russell Wilson. Russ did a great job setting his feet and firing it just in a perfect space, leading Adkins, who made the catch, and just guys making plays, man, and you need to see more of that. And Overall, I think you're going to see different things out there because, look, I, I don't think everybody can pay attention to both fields at the same time. On my notebook, I'd look at one. Okay, the first defense is on the other side of the field. I'm watching them. There's that play. All right, luckily, the play for the offense isn't going on right now. So it's like you can watch one, watch the other, go back and forth. I, I think it was a competitive day. It wasn't the sharpest day for the Broncos, but it's not like that they didn't get anything in. They got their licks in against the Rams, and, hey, Thursday's practice is going to be a big one because it's going to set the stage for the remainder of the finale leading up to the preseason. Plus, we get, I guess, a little bit of a media barbecue following Thursday's practice. So I'm stoked about that. Nice. That'll be great. Hopefully, uh, you'll have to send some pics or something like that so we can at least see what it looks like. But, Cody, I'm intrigued by something that you made me think of. I feel like Nate Adkins, his name pops up. People watching the games, cutting up their own you know, clips of all 22, things Nate like Adkins. that are really high. Nate, Nate, Yankin. he's doing well, and I like to hear about it. The only thing I'm questioning right now is... I mean, where does he fit in? Like, would he take uh, the job of like a Michael Burton? Would he, would the Broncos keep five tight ends? Would they actually cut Alberto Cuebanam to keep Adkins among the four tight ends? Like, where would he, would he push Chris Manhurts off the right? I'm just, I'm fascinated by how they could make this all work. Like, you want to keep everybody. It's like an impossible Sudoku puzzle or something like that. But like, what? Where do you see him kind of fitting in? Like, would he be a, a fourth tight end, a fifth tight end? Would he be the fullback? Like, what is he exactly? He's a little bit of both. I mean, he plays that fullback hybrid role with the tight end, H-back style stuff, special teams. I mean, God, Sarah, that's what's the toughest part about, really, I'd say the tight end room. It might be the one position we look at and we're like, all right, we we might have an idea how it goes. Like, no, we don't have an idea how it's going to go at all outside of – Greg Dulcich and more than likely Adam Troutman, but it's like there is Chris Manhart, who Peyton has talked so highly of, is, is a really good blocker, really great protection to add on your offensive line if a tackle is struggling or if you're going against a really elite rusher. You can combine his athleticism and size with an offensive tackle to combat maybe a pass rusher. So ah, that's tough, man. I It depends on what Sean Payton values the most and who gives him the most value and I tell you what, he's been very coy on that. Like, there's, he's hinted at things that he likes and that he wants to see, but hasn't gone into great detail about maybe what that looks like. He talks about vision in terms of players, and he says it's built by obviously your ability to play, what type of teammate you are, your ability to play special teams. These three things make up that vision that we hear him talk about so much. So, it's the greatest mystery, which makes me kind of a little bit more confident that I feel like he might just be a guy that they bring back onto the practice squad. And I know I got a, there was a listener named Drew 
messaged me on Instagram, Drew Bob. He, he was asking because I mentioned something about the practice squad and protecting players. So you can elevate a couple of players to your roster. You can protect them from potentially being stolen by other teams. But there also isn't it to the point where you're only allowed a certain amount of game day elevations before you either have to sign that person to the active roster or you have to waive them. Yeah, so you can you can sign them to the active roster twice, and then the third time you do it, then you have to waive them, and you have to subject them to other teams. So two times is the maximum, and that's kind of an unfortunate rule, but it is what it is, and it kind of prevents you from... I, I mean, the Broncos have utilized it quite a bit the last couple of years, but done a good injuries job. do... They they have and, and injuries happen. So like if a guy is looking that good after getting called up a couple times, you're going to sign him to your active roster, cut somebody else and kind of figure it out. But it seems like they've got that kind of flexibility in there. It just it's limited to those two games for free. I honestly feel like it all kind of plays out well, regardless of the situation, because we know injuries do come up and it almost seems like, hey, if you have contingencies in place, it makes sense. It makes it a little bit easier for you. And I think that's why I like the expanded practice squad rosters that we have here in the NFL. But Broncos country, thank you so much for tuning in. That will wrap up today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. Always grateful for you taking time out of your day to listen to us or to watch us break down and talk about what's going on in Dove Valley. You make the show exactly what it is every single day. Aside from all that, Broncos country, we'll be back tomorrow as we continue to recap day two of joint practices with the LA Rams, and then we'll set the table for Saturday's preseason finale. You're going to get that much more on tomorrow's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos.